it's really important to one, infuse sustainability and what that means to you as an organization, right? So that you're staying true to your brand, but then also looking at how do we infuse sustainability in everything we do? So one of the things like just even pivoting a little bit to that question that you had in the beginning, I think sustainability is everybody's job. No matter what role you play within an organization, sustainability is your job. Sustainability is a horizontal type of effort or initiative, right? It's not just a one one and done type of thing. So when you think about it across your organization, how does legal think about sustainability? How does finance think about sustainability? So, you know, when people ask me that question, what do we do about, well, what are you doing with your brand? What is your brand doing? Where is it you're trying to move towards with your services and how you face your customers? How is it that you're looking to change your business model to move towards this particular future that we're all envisioning? Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three, two, one, deploy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's discussion. Thank you for listening. And today, I'm sending some extra special energy to you and your families as you navigate your journeys in this moment. If you haven't already, and Apple Podcasts is your favorite place to consume podcasts, please rate this podcast and leave a comment about what you enjoy about it. It's a great way to get additional folks to listen in and for us to continue to build up good content for you moving forward. And now for today's discussion. Today's conversation is a Simply Tech live interview recorded September 30th, featuring my co-host Ali Mazahari and our special guests, Don James and Alex Robart. Don is currently the Microsoft U.S. Director of Sustainability and Environmental Sciences, and Alex is Microsoft's worldwide strategy leader for energy and sustainability, both connecting with us to share learnings and experiences in how organizations can strategically approach a differentiated way to reach sustainability goals that create competitive advantages while also being good for our environment. We are joined in this special episode by guest host Bob Familiar, director of the Microsoft Technology Center in Boston, an experienced technical leader in technologies that help organizations accelerate their vision to be more sustainable, which is quite exciting for us all on this discussion. I really enjoyed today's episode as it's all about something many of us are very energized by. At the time of me narrating this intro, folks like me that live in Southern California have been wrestling with the recent potential ecological disaster that's taken place off the coast of Huntington Beach, where an offshore rig has leaked over 126,000 gallons of oil into the Pacific Ocean. And it's, it's just heart-wrenching to see some of the photos, these beautiful beaches covered in this black oil, and to sit back and imagine how it will impact not only our wildlife in the area, but how we'll all enjoy this coastline space as humans, especially right now where we're all trying to just get out and enjoy our environment. These types of events really make me think more about sustainability and how the world's organizations continue to be more efficient with both energy and waste consumption to align their business strategy with ethics and an ethos 
that serve the environment. And at the same time, also seeking to end their ultimate reliance on fossil fuels. And it doesn't just stop there around these, this culture, this, this ethos around these organizations and what they think about sustainability. We as shareholders of these public companies are going to be using our wallets to show how much we value brands that have sustainability strategies that mirror our values. And I, I think this all comes together. There is a reframe on this entire topic of sustainability. It's not a political conversation. It's not about climate change. It's about why it actually makes sense from a business perspective to be a leader here in this space. And that's what this conversation is all about. It's a discussion about leadership and sustainability, why it's good for both business and also for the planet. Thank you for listening. And now we bring you Don James, Alex Robart, and Bob Familiar. All right, looks like we are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this discussion today, this episode of Simply Tech Live. This is your first time tuning in. Simply Tech Live is a collection of discussions with technologists and business leaders focused on the evolving landscape of tech. We've talked about everything from diversity and inclusion to culture to leadership to Azure Sphere and Azure Security. And today we're talking about a really amazing topic. Ali, what do we got going on today? Well, I mean, first of all, this is our second year anniversary. So congratulations to you and myself and the whole list of great speakers that we had in the past two years. I know that we did a post yesterday. Super glad to be here. And of course, what else? We're going to talk about sustainability. And again, this is something that is near and dear to everybody's heart. But for today, we actually have a special guest as our host. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my good friend and peer, Bob Familiar. So, Bob, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what are you doing in that space? Hi, Ali and Derek. First, I'll just say what an awesome pleasure to be a part of the program. So, yeah, Bob Familiar, I'm the director of the Microsoft Technology Center in Boston, but also in my role, I have responsibility for the manufacturing industry and our sustainability strategy for the technology centers here in the U.S. Perfect. So, I mean, we talked about the Microsoft Technology Centers in the past in terms of, you know, what we do as an org, what is our mission. But can you just quickly talk about what is MTC and what are we doing at the MTCs? And then perhaps then you can introduce our guests. Yeah, sure. Be my pleasure. So, yeah, the Microsoft Technology Centers, we are staffed with some of the best technical architects in the industry. We're very, you know, we're very centered around having great people who are customer obsessed, customer focused. They're deeply technical, but also have a great fluency in the various industries that we engage from manufacturing, retail, financial services, healthcare, and many others. And our role is to engage with our customers very deeply. We spend uh, typically at least a day, sometimes multiple days with a customer as we dig deep into their challenges and we strive to build empathy for them and deeply understand what it is they're trying to accomplish and then help them understand how the Microsoft platform can help them solve those challenges and get to solutions which will accelerate their business outcomes. And I know that you started this effort on sustainability a while back, and that's how you know you ended up working with actually our guests that they're going to talk about this topic. Where are we, and you know what's in pipeline for the centers? Well, I think for the technology centers, sustainability is 
a rather new area of engagement for us. So we are, I think, like everyone, learning about sustainability. It's a very sophisticated topic area, a lot to dig into, as we're going to find out as we talk to our guests today. And so for the technology centers, it's really about being able to first have a conversation about sustainability with our customers to understand what it is they're trying to accomplish, what are their metrics, their KPIs, what are they looking to measure, what goals have they set, and then how can we leverage the Microsoft platform to achieve those goals. And again, that marries very well with our mission. And then we partner with folks like we're going to talk to in a minute to go very deep in the area of sustainability. Perfect. So maybe it's a good time to bring in our guests. What do you think, Derek? I think it's a good idea. Let's do that. Let's do it. All right. So today we're joined by Don James and Alex Robart. So Don leads the U.S. sustainability strategy and thought leadership for Microsoft focused on delivering digital transformation solutions. She leverages her subject matter expertise across industries to create strategic coalitions and partnerships, helping customers leverage Microsoft technology to accelerate their sustainability journey. And Dawn leads a wide range of initiatives in sustainability, environmental science, and innovation. Alex Robart is Microsoft's worldwide strategy leader for energy and sustainability. So in his role, he owns Microsoft's commercial viewpoint on energy and sustainability. He drives our business strategy and works with customers to develop transformation and sustainability strategies. He's a former consultant turned technology executive, entrepreneur, and investor, and has been focused on energy and industrials for most of his career. So welcome, Dawn and Alex. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good to be here. So let's dig in. So first, I want to talk with Dawn. So Dawn, you and I have been working a lot over the past year. It's been such a pleasure. I think to meet folks like yourself who are focused on sustainability, I think one question that comes to mind is, how did we get here, you know, to kind of quote an old talking head song? How, what was your journey and how did you arrive at Microsoft and find yourself focused so clearly on sustainability? Yeah, well, happy to share my story. First of all, thank you for inviting me to this venue. Thank you for everyone that's watching. I'm happy to be here and discuss my journey, my personal journey, and how I came here to Microsoft and also what, what all we're doing in sustainability. It's a super exciting space and something that I personally take on as something that I'm very passionate about. And so, you know, I started off my professional career in geotechnical engineering, and I worked out in the field in California. I'm from Los Angeles. I did a little bit of conservation in the Channel Islands and land restoration. I moved over my career. I pivoted towards public sector. I worked for the USGS as a research scientist, and I focused on Everglades restoration and numerical modeling of surface water systems. And I pivoted my career again and moved into the energy sector and worked in the petrotechnical software space. And it was in that space where I was working as a solutions professional doing petrotechnical software solutions, where our company made a hard pivot towards digital transformation. And that was within the energy sector. And so that was where I really started you know, getting my certifications in predictive analytics and really kind of honing my skills around understanding the role that digital really plays in the energy sector. And that's where I made my pivot to Microsoft. And, you know, Microsoft has always been at the forefront of digital transformation. And now I get to really 
combine all aspects of my entire career where I've pivoted from geotechnical engineering, which plays into the infrastructure and buildings sector, all the way through water resources and management through the energy sector. And I can call on all of those skill sets across my career and understand from an industry standpoint, the juxtaposition of industry and technology. And so that's where I sit today. And it's an incredibly exciting space. And I love to be able to share um, my experience with our customers and with everyone else internally, for sure. Yeah, it's so great to have you as part of our sustainability team. And I can tell you, having worked with you this past year, I have learned so much. It's been such a pleasure. So Alex, same question. How did you find yourself at Microsoft and how did you discover sustainability as, as such an area of passion for yourself? Yeah, my journey here is, is a little bit of twists and turns and I'm not the most, let's say, conventional Microsoft employee. I've actually been an entrepreneur for the last 15 years. This is my first corporate role. And since then, um, so I'm, I'm pretty new to Microsoft, about 11 months now. But I started off really as sort of a generalist strategy consultant early in my career, working in energy, but really it was a range of clients across auto, manufacturing, energy, not terribly deep in, in any of them. I sort of stumbled into energy as a really f- a focus for my career back in, you know, 12 years ago or, or 13 years ago, maybe. I ended up starting a small company with two other partners. It was really focused on energy at that particular company. And in doing so, we covered a range of topics. And I got pretty deep in the space and became a thought leader in a lot of ways about sort of the commercial business that is energy. In doing that, we also started another company on the side, which was actually really focused on water. And so I got really quite deep into the concept of water and the impact that the energy industry in particular has on water. And so that, that really did get me thinking more deeply about the topic. And sort of fast forward, I, I sold that both of those companies we sold and I ran a company doing, doing technology and energy. That really got me deep into tech. Our previous company was was data play, where we had a a real technology angle, generating data for our customers and wetting that data to other data sets. But it really wasn't until my most recent company that I ran as CEO for almost five years in energy, where I got really deep, particularly some some really novel AI things that we were doing for full closed loop optimization of set points on operational systems. So some really exciting cutting edge stuff. But from there, I landed at Microsoft here. And what really got me so excited was the work that we were doing around energy transition and sustainability. You know, from observing over the last two years, the really dramatic change in tone from the industry broadly around sustainability through this concept of energy transition, which is really the buzzword within the energy industry. There's been a dramatic about face and I think recognition and acknowledgement from a lot of the key industry players that you know, energy transition is real. You know, climate change is real and they actually have a, a significant role to play if we're going to arrive at constructive solutions at, on the timelines that we all know we need to. And so that, that really was what got me really excited about Microsoft was playing an impactful role, both in sustainability and energy transition, as well as, you know, really playing a role in a high impact global technology player. So, you know, have my own experience as to how, what does it take to deliver tech at really truly global scale? That's awesome. And again, it's just great to have you on the team and such a, an interesting background to bring to the problem space. So welcome. And so I'm going to hand it back to Derek. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is a live discussion. So it looks like we have a good amount of folks that are kicking in real time and watching in real time. A number of different comments. One from Joshua Cowan. For those new in the tech world, how do you suggest getting employed at this intersection? Joshua, let's, we're going to get to that. And I think that question it feels and it sounds a lot like what's going on in 
the world and in, in industry and in organizations. And listening to you, Alex, listening to you, Don, around how you started off in a different world and kind of emerged and evolved mm-hmm. into this kind of technology leadership type of role in what you're doing here at Microsoft. We know folks need sustainability. We know 58% of the S&P has some type of sustainability report. We know that since 2007, ESG standards have almost tripled in the last you know, 12, 13 years, whatever it is. So given that data and given the fact that organizations want to have the conversation, Don, we'll start with you. How do you have that conversation as Microsoft, as a representative, representative for Microsoft? How do you have that conversation with these organizations? Yeah, you know, obviously I get asked that question a lot. And, um, you know, I think that it's interesting because it's not a, a one size fits all, right? You know, we can take it from an individual perspective and what we as individuals are doing around sustainability. And we can also look at across an organization and look at it in its parts, right? And so when we start thinking about the sustainability journey, it's really just the steps for an organization, or like I mentioned, for a person for that matter, to be able to reach just these particular environmental sustainability or ESG goals. And so a lot of that really depends on how that organization is aligning themselves to a particular global governing body, right? So a lot of times, and that is what organizations will align themselves to. So at present, we're talking about the UN SDGs or SBDs, the science-based targets, right? And particular sustainability development goals that companies will align themselves with so that we can all really as like a, um, a nation and as a global community move towards a similar goal, right? And so one of the reasons why it's important that companies, organizations, and people really think through is because we're always making decisions, right? So it's not just about making sustainability-based decisions, but there's a lot of factors that go in, right? So there's a lot of variables within an organization, inside the organization, outside of the organization that play into it, whether we're talking about governing regulatory bodies, whether we're talking about competition or market trends, right? So being able to take all of those variables and think through those choices that you make across your business units, it's really important to one, infuse sustainability and what that means to you as an organization, right? So that you're staying true to your brand, right? But then also looking at how do we infuse sustainability in everything we do? So one of the things like just even pivoting a little bit to that question that you had in the beginning, I think sustainability is everybody's job, right? No matter what role you play within an organization, sustainability is your job. Sustainability is a horizontal type of effort or initiative, right? It's not just a one one and done type of thing. So when you think about it across your organization, how does legal think about sustainability? How does finance think about sustainability? So, you know, when people ask me that question, what do we do about, well, what are you doing with your brand? What is your brand doing? Where is it you're trying to move towards with your services and how you face your customers? How is it that you're looking to change your business model to move towards this particular future that we're all envisioning, right? So we have to think about it really in a series, in a journey, in the idea of a journey, but then also really breaking this down into the bits and the parts, Right? We look at the upstream aspect of an organization, midstream and downstream. How does all of that influence what you do and the decisions that you make? And so I, I bring it all back to decisions, right? Because we all make 
decisions along the way? How are we making those decisions? Who is in the room when we're making those decisions? And who is it impacting? And on a macro scale, that holds true. And so that's how I talk to customers about sustainability is really having that introspection on who they are as an organization and where you want to go to and then connecting the dots through digital enablement of that sustainability journey. I really enjoy where this is going and, and I enjoy it because Alex is on the call as well. And Alex, you know, just posing the same question to you, when you have the conversation, keeping in mind some of the things that Don kind of went through, the brand, the introspection, the journey, you know, what are your thoughts about that conversation with an organization? Yeah, I agree with a lot of Don said there. This concept of, of sort of sustainable by design to me is, is an important concept because it, it does imply that like everything and everyone needs to participate in that process. When I start the conversation with a customer, I tend to start with this concept of like net zero targets. You know, a lot of your peers are setting them. You, you know, you as a customer may or may not have set one, but you're probably thinking about it because your investors, you know, most of these companies that we deal with at Microsoft at our level are, are larger public companies. For them, you know, capital uh, sustainability is really a capital access question in a lot of ways. You know, those who are seeing increasing laggards in, on sustainability, they're losing some of their capital access you know, at Wall Street and other major financing centers. And so whether a company believes in sustainability or not, they appreciate the reality that they need to at least engage if they're going to maintain their kind of safe capital access. And so that's something that every company can agree on, whether or not they're you know, a full believer in the, in the importance of sustainability. But from there, depending on the position of the company, for me, it's really all about you're considering setting some net zero goals or you've already set some goals. How do we actually support the delivery of those goals? In, in Microsoft, given the broad suite of capabilities that we bring, you know, we are a really foundational part of any sort of operational changes or programs being implemented. And I really frame it through the lens of, in order to execute and deliver on your emissions reduction targets, there's a lot of things that we can offer industry to industry to help you there. But there's a lot of work that every company has to do to really reduce their footprint across scope one, two, and three emissions. And then more broadly, yes, sustainability does include a lot of sort of new compliance, new rules are coming into place. There's a cost of doing business around that, but it's also a massive growth opportunity, perhaps the biggest growth opportunity of the next generation here. And so helping a lot of customers reframe their business is, you know, it was this, but now with sustainability, it's driving all these changes in customer consumer behaviors. And there's all these new business lines and revenue opportunities in front of you. So let's not think of sustainability just as a cost. Let's think about sustainability as the next growth driver for your business for the next 30 years. And that's where the really exciting conversations happen. And that's where like the chief strategy type officer type folks, you know, the key thought leaders in the company really get excited and engaged, helping to reframe and get their heads around the fact that it's not just about a cost of doing business. It is about an entire transformation to find new business models and sources of growth. And Alex, I, I think specifically that is such a powerful conversation when you start having the capital access conversation, consumer behavior, shareholders, how they want to spend money, how they believe in the brand. I think there's a lot of room. I think Bob is going to start to extract some of those layers from you in terms of what that really means. Before we do that, I'd love for Don to tee us up just a little bit around you know, what are the basic elements, Don, of a sustainability solution? Yeah, sure. So sustainability, the way we look at it at Microsoft is really around the three R's around reducing, removing, and replacing, and being able to 
really kind of provide these intelligent insights around each of those three R's, right? And so when we start talking about reducing, really we're talking about reducing sources of GHG emissions and being able to bring those emissions down to zero net zero. And, you know, a lot of times when we start talking about just in a similar way to what Alex was saying, that when we start talking about these improvements around reducing emissions, it really starts to tie into improving efficiency. So when we start talking about electricity and smart, resilient grids or, you know, enhancing efficiency within like electricity space, we end up being able to create other lines of benefits for companies, right? So we think about reducing part of sustainability. And then we also think about it in terms of land use, food and agriculture, right? How do we protect our ecosystems and forests? And we think through nature-based solutions and technology-based solutions for that reduction and then moving into removing. And so when we start talking about removing, we're talking about carbon removal from a target-based, science-based targets initiatives type of perspective. Also physically removing carbon from the environment like I said, either by nature-based solutions or technology-based solutions that are net negative and then also scientifically verifiable, right? And also we're, we're talking about removing waste and, and being water positive. And then we move into the replacing space. It's more around remove renewables and carbon-free energy. So we're really talking about wind, solar, hydrogen, um, nuclear, small modular nuclear reactors, some of the new stuff. And also another element of sustainability or climate change mitigation solutions is around supporting sinks, right? So this can be a nature-based or, or, or technology-based solutions around decarbonization. And then the last piece of climate change solutions and, and mitigation within this space, the way that, that we talk about it is from an improvement of society, right? So what is the societal impact? And that also goes into some of the ESG metrics and targets. What is that societal impact? How are we fostering equity and fairness in these solutions? And that goes across the board from healthcare, education, fostering universal access, um, green and clean spaces for people to live in, clean water, access to clean water and clean air. It goes into heat housing, affordable housing. It goes into building and infrastructure and how we're building new cities, right? Buildings with carbon embodied construction materials. So a lot of that, when we go through all of those different elements, reducing, removing, replacing, supporting sinks and improving society, it is about that shift in capital. It's about reimagining economies. It's also around change behavior, right? We look at it in terms of change management within organizations and within our society. And it's also about improving technology across the board to be able to accelerate those areas. Thanks for that, Donna. And there's a lot there to unpack. And before I go ahead and, and let Bob kind of get deeper with Alex around some of the things he was talking about with reframing opportunities, just a, a quick case study here. I, I interviewed a gentleman last week. It was the VP of data strategy at the Miami Heat, Edson Krevkur. Mm -hmm. And they built a, a business within the organization, if you like basketball, I'm sure you've heard of them before, called 601 Analytics. And they, he talked about one of the use cases of 601 Analytics, and mm -hmm. it was attendance prediction. You know, how many folks would be going to these events, which that specific use case, when you talk about sustainability, you talk about changing behavior, they're getting to a point now where they can take public spaces, they can predict the number of people that are coming to these spaces, and now they can reduce waste, they can reduce energy, staffing, and it's a competitive advantage for this organization to get better about how they use resources. So I really appreciate how you kind of went through all those solutions. I think there's a lot there to expand on. 
Bob, go ahead. Thanks, Derek. So Alex, you're very much focused in the uh, energy sector, the energy industry. I think everyone would agree this might be one of, you know, probably the most challenging industry to engage this topic. There's a lot of, you know, legacy there. You might even encounter opposition. How do you, as an advocate for sustainability, how do you reframe the conversation and how do you do that? And then can you give us like an example of like having had that conversation, made the case, had a convincing moment? Is there just a great example of the type of conversion that's possible? Yeah, I think that framework I talked to before of sort of, you know, we can help you with your net zero carbon and impact reduction plan and delivery along with also help you find new sources of growth. That framing is really how I really engage most of these customers. It depends what the position of a customer is. Increasingly, they, they no longer just ignore it and write it off. They know that it poses a capital risk challenge for them. And so they have to in, at least engage to some extent. But for me, it's really about over the last 18, 24 months, the inclination of customers, and you've seen announcements from BP, Shell, Repsol, Oxy have set, and a number of others have set net zero targets for the first time, particularly in oil and gas. You know, something like I think 70% of US utilities, for instance, have set their own net zero targets, covering at least their scope one and scope two emissions, you know, oftentimes scope three as well. And so, you know, large swaths of the energy ecosystem, particularly the largest players out there, have now committed themselves to a set of targets. The firmness in those commitments vary in some cases. But in a bit, in a, to some extent, there's actually a little bit of arms race in setting step up, step up, step up new goals, where a company will set new goals year after year after year because they see that their peers are out there setting tighter goals and they know that they have to compete for capital and be well positioned with their, their investment community. And they know that that ESG position, their rating, really does matter. And so we really, to some extent, are really looking for those customers who are either they've told us they're really looking to set a more firm net zero commitment, or I've already set one. And those who, who set set goals in particular, they recognize that, okay, we've set this goal, we did a lot of work to get the conviction to set it. Now we actually need to think about execution against this goal. And you know, if there's a near-term target in the 2025 or 2030 timeframe, we got to get working on this thing because it's a lot of work. And the reality is, is that you know, no one has all the answers as to how they're going to get to their 2030 and certainly their 2050 target. 2050 requires a lot of new technology to get to those targets in some cases. 2030, those goals are much more immediate and people realize that they've got to get down to business and start executing and running their business differently. So those are the conversations that get, they just get really exciting. And, but it also comes down to leadership. Like this is very much about what, who and what is the disposition of the leaders of these companies and are they driving their companies in the right direction. I'll give a, a couple of examples of some companies that has really been a leader on various aspects, at least in oil and gas, like Oxy, Occidental Petroleum, for instance. You know, they've been talking quite publicly now about their you know, underway transformation towards becoming a carbon management company and shifting over time their portfolio towards helping you know, capture carbon and also remove carbon from the atmosphere through a direct air capture technology but really the, the leadership and vision that their CEO has put forward as being a carbon management company and told quite bluntly to their investors that you know, in 30 years, we expect that our carbon management business will be bigger than our hydrocarbons business. That kind of leadership and vision setting and engagement with the investor community is really what moves the needle. 
BP is, is doing similar. Shell is doing similar. You know, Williams in midstream in the U.S. is doing similar. And so there's really a significant element of leadership that comes into play here because the big thing that me and someone else from industry talk about a lot is that in particular on the gas industry, we're only going to be successful if everyone across all industries participates in this energy transition and participates in sort of the transition generally. And oil and gas does have an important role to play because if we don't get them to change, we're never going to achieve our goals. But giving the folks in the energy industry broadly sort of a, a mission that they can recommit themselves to as a new mission for their industry and for what is the revenue and growth model going forward? Because everyone wants to be with the winner. Everyone wants to be working for a company that they believe is doing cool things and making money and is successful. Because if you don't make money for a company, you're not going to last very long. And so helping industry find its new vision and mission for like, how can I be a part of a winner that is leaning in on this energy transition and has found a viable source of growth going forward? And so you know, price signals like a carbon price are super important to help reinforce the fact that energy in particular, but also heavy industry, needs in a way a new sort of mission to help guide them and drive them where they can find a profitable path forward for their company and participate constructively in this transition. That's awesome. It's just a, it's one of the most positive stories that I've heard about that industry. That's awesome to hear. And I think everyone can feel good about that. That's awesome, Alex. Thank you. Back to you, Derek. We just got a, a comment in from, uh, my apologies if I'm, if I'm butchering this, uh, Sholto Hunter, he's a researcher at, researcher at Carlisle, and he says, you know, what are the first steps a business can take to build a sustainability function? Alex or Don, you're free to answer. You want to take that one, Don, to start? Sure. So the first steps that I would say, you know, I think that this is a bit of a, a bespoke thing. It really depends on the industry and the company and the, the company's culture, right? But the first step is to set your goals, right? To understand your own business, understand what your scope one, two, and potentially three to start what you're working with, right? So usually when I have these conversations, when companies are kind of early in their journey, it ends up becoming a data story. What does your current footprint look like? And that simple question starts to have us deep dive into the different aspects of their business, what their supply chain looks like, what the different business units are doing. We start looking at their actual physical footprint of their campuses. How can we be more energy efficient? How can we reduce waste within your actual building footprint? How can we become water positive? So we go through just those four pillars of water waste, carbon, and ecosystems that that company impacts. And we just start doing an ideation or type of discovery so that we understand the scope of the problem. And then that honestly is the, that takes a long time, right? Because a very long time, but it becomes, like I said, a data story. And so again, this is part of, it really is connected to this digital maturity and where companies are at being able to see their data see the impacts of that data across the board, across their organization, and then be able to gain insights from that data so that then they can make better decisions on where they want to focus their money, their investments, and their employees, right? So another very, very key thing around the sustainability journey, especially when you're starting, is that it's not about one person. I talked to a CDO the other day around he was just tasked with sustainability innovation. 
didn't know what to do. And he's just like, don't, he kind of, he's a friend of mine. So he called me up and was like, don't, what do I do? Right. So it's interesting. Right. So, you know, I started kind of walking through, well, where are you today? And then also there is a true cultural stamp you know, part of this. Where is your digital maturity today? And how are you allocating those resources to be better define the problem? So just from like really a scientific method standpoint, Right, you have to come up with that first hypothesis and start testing it so that then you understand where to start. And so again, this is really, you know, when we start talking about the confluence of technology and industry, again, this is a digital enablement story, right? To be able to yield better, faster products and solutions for an organization. And that avenue to new revenue streams, to that transformational state of sustainability, really depends on how you change your behavior over time. And that starts, once again, with the data story. And I, you know, that particular CEO, when I was talking to him, it was a bit of a realization because, you know, he was really thinking ESG, sustainability, wide breath umbrella, what does this mean? But then when you start breaking it down to what are you doing today? How can you enable where you are today and start taking steps to connect the dots to achieve those particular goals? It changed the context of how we were having that conversation because then again, like I said, it becomes a data story. So then we start going through just how we talk about data with a sustainability lens. Yeah, I would, I would agree with Don there. I would just add the simplest really baby step you can take, I think, for a company that's very new is just set up a team whose goal is to estimate what your emissions and sustainability footprint is and you know, generate an internal sustainability report. That's a, a really nice, safe place to start. But getting the data, at least a rough version in a spreadsheet of the data, to take a baby step towards that process and then agree with Don, it very quickly turns into a data challenge to start to go deeper and get to really accurate measurement. And then to figure out how do I connect some action-oriented initiatives that all have their own data element to it? And how do I feed them all together to create this sort of virtuous cycle where you can have three or four massive initiatives which connect back to your core business and your core emissions challenges? Then you have to, you've got to start to measure them and feed this, this whole loop to see all the money you're spending on these strategic initiatives, how do they connect back and drive results and how can you optimize them going forward? Just expound on that quickly. Rashmi Hasselkar, she's a product manager, sustainability consultant. She really kind of enjoyed some of the discussion around how do you get individual business unit leadership? How do you get some of that advocacy backing to derive baselines? So based upon the current footprint, is what are any perspectives on that? Like, how do you start getting baselines? How do you start getting the initial footprint? What does that even look like to you guys? Well, it's not an easy task. In most companies today, the vast majority you know, do it in a spreadsheet and the data is of mixed quality, but any estimate in a spreadsheet is better than nothing. And then being able to estimate on a per business unit basis, what's the contribution from that business unit, from the, the product services, you know, all the way to scope one, two and three emissions. That can be a, a spreadsheet exercise to get to a rough number, which is somewhere good to start. I am a firm believer that executives in particular have to be held accountable and have their compensation tied to a set of sustainability goals, you know, at the BU level at the very least. You know, I think you know, C-suite plus BU leaders really need to have sustainability you know, tied into their compensation. If you know, folks at the top are going to have the incentives to really drive this day to day, 
and make their own people below them do the same. That's sort of how I frame it. You really need, you know, one, a decent cut of the data. Anything's better than nothing. And then two, you know, incentives and compensation matters. Thanks for that, Alex. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with what Alex is saying. I think that to start, you have to start, right? So, you know, we're starting with that baseline around, you know, with just having spreadsheets and just getting it on paper or on some kind of digital format is super important. But really what the customers are wanting to do and, you know, when we start talking about Microsoft's journey and, and how we started and moving forward, it really does hinge around that company's culture and the behavior that is being triggered across the organization to be able to provide that trust in the information that they're providing, also some type of transparency across the organization and how they're reporting, and then having that that transformation piece. So really being able to bring that in and then use that for a, a change management type of exercise, because this is really becomes a behavioral change when we start talking about how we're going to get managers, how we're going to get BU leaders aligned with a particular goal and direction. I contend that it, it still is a change management issue and having a strong culture around that will drive those behaviors. Bob, I want to I redirect kind of this discussion over to you for a bit to see what you have to say here. You, you guys are building solutions in the Microsoft Technology Center. You have some chief architects, you have infrastructure folks, you have data folks who we, we really love. We're talking about data, right? Have you seen any of these use cases around, cat, you know, understanding current state, understanding where we're at, doing a digital diagnostic? Like, what are some thoughts or use cases or things that come to mind as this conversation kind of starts to unravel across this opportunity? Well, you know, as you've heard, both Don and Alex have stated at the end of the day, this is a data challenge, right? And so we've got a great platform for data solutions. So some of the areas we would dig in with a customer on, first and foremost, where are they on their digital transformation, their migration to the cloud? Microsoft over the last 12 years has put massive investment in our 64 regions of data centers around the world to be carbon negative. When customers move their workloads into our cloud out of their own data centers, they can benefit from that. And we have an, an Azure calculator, which will tell them what the benefit of running workloads in Azure are as compared to in their data center, which is like that bit of data right there is a fantastic place to start. They very likely are already leveraging the Microsoft platform for modern work, for business solutions, modern applications, and data warehouse, and maybe even machine learning and artificial intelligence capabilities. Well, now they can start to understand what's the data that I can now report on the carbon footprint savings that I'm beginning to make. So that's a great place to start. It may be, it may be looking at their real estate holdings and saying, look, we've got all this property there's an opportunity to look at that and go, you know what, we could actually leverage smart building technology from Microsoft's partners like Johnson Controls and Iconics and begin to draw the data in real time using their IoT solutions, bring it into the cloud and understand how they can start to control those systems with command and control and reduce energy costs. That now becomes a bit of data they can bring into their sustainability report. We may look at water conservation solutions from partners like Ecolabs. And for that's a, a partner we leverage actually in our data centers. And it's helping us get to our you know, net zero goals. So can our customers leverage our partner solutions like that to do the same? They may be creating 
products that leverage a lot of plastic. Can we somehow address that? And again, as they're making those changes in their product development efforts in their manufacturing plant, gather that information and again, report on it. Getting that data into the cloud, automating the collection of that data is a key part as well. So far, we've heard at the beginning, it might be a manual process and that's okay. Great place to start. But eventually, you want to automate the collection of that data, the reporting of that data. And that's where the Microsoft platform shines. It, it really provides all the tools and technology to be able to do that. Plus, we have all these great partner solutions that can address uh, point solutions. Thanks for that, Bob. We've been talking so much about organizational change and all these amazing stories. We forget that there's this thing called the Azure Cloud out there. <laughs> it's doing a lot of work yeah. under the covers. I want to focus a little bit more... Don, you talked about this early on when we were prepping for this discussion. You met, This came up in the discussion. I got a lot of energy from this in terms of these equitable decisions, talking about policy. You mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, these different, you know, multifamily homes, training, folks that are actually making decisions that can impact the economy, jobs, wealth, things like that around sustainability. Can you just talk a little bit about that for a moment? Yeah. Sure. You know, when we start talking about climate change and, and climate change mitigation efforts and the decisions that are being made around the solutions that are being implemented currently, you know, it's important to think about fairness. And it's important to think about fairness in the way that people are treated. And this is a central element to climate change, right? It really corresponds to the complexity of the challenge itself. Nobody thinks climate change is easy. It's not. I'm a geologist and, you know, climate change is a confluence of a complex set of systems right across the earth. And it's not something that's simple. Right. And so when we combined the science of climatology and climate change and how it's impacting people, it is impacting people in a disproportionate way. Right. And so by at least recognize, just like we were talking about, you don't start till you start. You have to recognize what the problem is and have a very full scope of that problem. It's not just a science answer. It's also societal answer. And just like when we're talking about culture and branding and how companies are using you know, their solutions to mitigate climate change and meet their goals, it's also important to address the real issues behind climate change or part of the complexity of climate change, right? And that also is about the inherent unfairness of climate change and how the impacts of climate change disproportionately affect underrepresented people, right? And so when we start thinking through these solutions, digital or otherwise, we must protect the most vulnerable among us. Right. We must protect the people that are impacted by the most adverse effects of global warming. We have to provide justice. Right. Because for us to have proper accountability for what it is that we're doing, especially if we're using database solutions and we're hinging those database solutions on trust and transparency, then we must also be accountable. Right. And that's what I mean by justice, that we are properly accountable for how we're using the data, how we're implementing the solutions and who they impact. Right. And this is part of having a very inclusive 
and transparent process, right? So there's different types of equity. One is having procedural equity. And so this entire process that we're talking about from how we're implementing solutions from the very beginning of what we're thinking about solutions, you know, when we talk about organizations across all of our sectors, every single industry, it's touching somebody. That's the reason why we're here, right? So all of the sphere of influence, no matter what organization touches people, cities, supply chain, sourcing, all of that. So all of those things are decisions. And so the folks that are making the decisions, it's important not to just think about the people that they're impacting, but have their voices at the table as you're making those decisions. Therefore, that way we will have not only inclusive and transparent decision-making processes, but we can also say that it's fair and it's equitable. And that is the key to being able to have this clear adoption, right, across the globe, across organizations, but then also to get it right. To learn a little bit more about that, I went ahead and put a link into the event space from the Center for Sustainable Energy, Prioritizing Equity and Policy and Decision-Making. It talks about, you know, EV charging, all these new technologies and, and the impact to these different communities and kind of this big system that you're talking about, Don. Alex, I keep thinking about you and your, your years and experience kind of with oil and gas and, and changing mindsets. And you're talking to folks that are creating the majority of the carbon and that are most likely the most responsible for the future of, of energy in this transition. Does the, the equity and decision-making, the responsibility, the authority, does this play a part in those conversations, you think, with these characters? It does, yeah. I think that the, particularly when you talk to power and utilities, you know, the concept of affordability, because most, at least in the U.S., most utilities at least have very large regulated portions of their businesses. And the way in which they operate and allocate capital to projects is all about at the state public commission level. And affordability is one of is always one of the, the key dimensions of that decision making process. And so, balancing energy access and affordability with energy transition is a tricky problem to navigate because it wasn't until recently that renewables became cheaper than traditional thermal power generation. And so now, until that happened, it was too easy for incumbent energy to say, "Well, look, oil and gas and thermal, you know, coal power generation is the cheapest way." And, if we care about affordability, then we can't do anything. We're stuck here. This is what we have to do because our mandate is affordability. Now, fortunately, that some of the alternatives like wind and solar are now cheaper than, than coal in most of the thermal sources in most contexts. So it's, it's a lot harder for them to make that argument in an intellectually honest way. So it, it has been interesting engaging with you know, certain apparent utilities and with oil and gas companies on that topic and just getting a little more deeper into like a, a really concrete example. I had a I had a good conversation a few months ago with, with a small municipal uh, grid operator and you know, really about we got deep into sustainability as well as some of the equity considerations. And you know, it's hard for me to wrap my head around equity in the context of a municipal grid operator. But then mm-hmm. one individual started talking about, well, when we think about our emergency shutoff plans and when we, when we shut down transformers and when we bring them back up, areas that get prioritized for access are those with critical infrastructure like hospitals. And those tend to be in higher income communities. In the lower income communities, they tend to be the ones who always have the shutdown sooner. They've got longer shutdowns. And so that's a really inequitable situation that they find themselves in. The folks who set out those emergency shutoff plans 
We're doing so with plenty of, of logic in protecting life in the form of hospitals. But starting to sort of reframe and think about, well, how do you adjust those plans so that they are more equitable to consider the fact that just because they don't have the critical infrastructure in the neighborhood doesn't mean that it's necessarily fair for them to have a five-day shutoff versus a you know a twelve-hour shutoff that someone else might have. And so those those kind of concrete examples were really good for me at least to really wrap my head around like what does this look like on the ground in an individual neighborhood at an individual house level. Great examples, great examples, Alex. Bob or Don, anything to add while we're on the topic? Well, I have a lot more to talk about on this topic, but you know, let me know if you have a specific questions. Otherwise, I feel like I'll just wax poetic on all things equitable. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have about eight minutes left, and I, I think it, it's hard to manage. But, you know, there's so many things that we could be talking about with sustainability. I thought just yesterday I saw Ali posted an announcement by Microsoft. We created this mouse. This mouse created with plastics. And you know we're talking about recycling, reducing, reusing with you, Don, and then Alex is talking about reshaping the entire the world of energy and transition. And there's so many different topics around all these different things. But we all work for Microsoft on this particular call. We talk about technology all the time. So you know, Bob, I just I know you've highlighted a couple different use cases, some of the things you're doing in the the technology center. Where does technology play a part? Where does Microsoft play a part? And what do you see in terms of the future of technology and how we're using this stuff against some of these scenarios that, that Alex and Don are, are looking at every single day? Yeah, I mean, Microsoft's doing some just amazing innovation in a lot of different areas, certainly on our, our edge capabilities, our Internet of Things, IoT, the ability to you know, collect and report on data in real time, apply machine learning models in the cloud at the edge, all of these capabilities can accelerate the collection and analysis and reporting of data. And all of that with command and control down to the edge, which I think is really key. And that's where you start to see the benefits of being able to control all these connected devices, these environments, these buildings, so that you can, uh, uh, these fleets, so that you can, you can optimize their performance. Other areas are looking at things like the research we did to take data centers and bring them to the bottom of the ocean. Let's not use HVAC systems to cool data centers. Why don't we use the cold ocean water off the coast of Scotland? That was an experiment we ran for two years. And always making sure that even doing that did not have an impact on the animal ecosystem of the ocean floor. So that whole system was IoT enabled to make sure that we were able to tap into that information. And that was a very successful experiment. It was just, we just, you know, brought that data center back up from the bottom of the ocean. It was a total lights out operation for a couple of years. And we're looking at just taking that, you know, to the next level. I mean, you can imagine things like a barge of data centers that can be brought to specific areas of the world, brought to the bottom of the ocean, brought online because we own all of the dark fiber that connects our data centers around the world. We can plug these mobile, sustainable data centers into the network and bring them online where they're most needed, which may be in parts of the world which are underserved and where we don't want to be impacting animal ecosystems, use of land, things of this sort. So, I mean, I just, it's exciting to work for a company that thinks so far out of the box and is saying, you know, how can we leverage technology to make a difference? Thanks for that, Bob. So we, we do have a short uh, couple of minutes left. Thank you so much, Alex, Don, Bob, for being the guest host. 
having this conversation. We all, I think this is a great conversation. I learned tremendous amount from all the different angles and perspectives from all of you. Any closing remarks that you'd like to leave our watchers with? I would just offer, we're at a really exciting and pivotal moment right now when it comes to sustainability and you know, taking global action on climate change. There's been a really massive shift in tone from a lot of segments of the economy, particularly energy, but also manufacturing and in the last you know, 18 to 24 months, which has been really unexpectedly positive. And the COP26 is coming up, kicking off at the end of this month here in Glasgow and Scotland. It's a really important moment for countries and world leaders and policymakers to get together and attempt to commit themselves to another set of emissions reductions targets you know, with the science behind them. And so that's a really fascinating moment to watch, but encouraging you know, your friends and family and, and your colleagues to think about this concept of sort of sustainable by design, integrating sustainability into all of our decisions. My wife and I have started going through a wave of energy efficiency improvements in our house, trying to remove plastics. We've gone mostly vegan and vegetarian because changing your diet does have a big impact on your personal emissions. And so, you know, all of us can take steps and then bring those into our professional operating context to help our companies collectively get better. Don, anything to add before we close? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I guess my closing remarks would really just be, you know, this again is such an exciting space and I consider it an incredible privilege to sit where I am and I don't take it for granted. And every day I think about how we can do better, right? How we can focus these ideas on the most urgent tasks, how we can really drive breadth and depth within these organizations that we impact, that Microsoft has an influence on. And I, I'm really looking to drive a framework, right, that focuses all of our good intentions so that we can have measurable change. You know, when I think through some of this, you know, it's not just about what's most important, but how we align towards a common purpose and having that framework of purpose to focus our good intentions will make all of this hard work worthwhile and also expand our tolerance for transformation. So, you know, it's really about having this adaptive mindset so that we can have good discernment and make good decisions. And so that we can always make sure that we are taking care of the most vulnerable among us. Because I think that that is really why we're here to drive this kind of large global impact. Agree 100% with that. I'll just add, you know, at the MTC, we want to engage. We want to have the conversation. I invite our customers or enterprise customers, you know, reach out. Let's do this together. We're ready to be your partner in this. We've learned a lot. I'm not going to claim we know everything, but you know what? We've learned a lot. We'd love to share it. And we want to learn from you and we want to solve this problem together. So come on into the technology centers and let's get started. Thanks, Bob. All right, Ali, come back in. Let's close this out. What a discussion. What an amazing discussion. A lot to unpack. And I was just like sitting in a producer chair, but just like, digging in. And, and for me, there were two things. One was data, 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 you know, how important it is. And second of all is like Bob, we interact with a lot of customers virtually in person, hopefully soon. Really, we need to think about anything that we do, try to design a solution or try to, you know, modernize an application as Alex and Don was kind of alluding to it, just like have that, you know, sustainable by nature you know, aspect of it. It should be part of every single conversation that we have with our customers. And I, I think we need to bring them back 
so we can have more follow-ups. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, thanks everyone for watching. We'll catch you in the next episode of Simply Tech Live. We have more <laughs> stuff coming in, so watch that space. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at thedatabinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.